What's up, you guys? I'm back. We're here with episode six, and it is the official NFL 2021 free agency episode. In this episode, I am going to be tackling everything free agency. I'm going to be giving you two players that each team in the league should sign. I'm going to be breaking down what I think about free agency as a whole this year and the whole philosophy behind it. I'm going to be talking about Aaron Jones and his big contract that he's already gotten. And throughout the entire thing, I'm actually recording this on a Monday, Monday, March 15th to be exact, which is the first day when teams are allowed to verbally agree to deals. So throughout the episode, I assume that we are going to be getting multiple, multiple updates on free agency and things that have happened. So I'm going to first start with where I'm not going to do a weekly roundup this week because there's so, so, so much to cover. Players are already starting to move in the league and things are getting intense if I do say myself. Okay, so I started writing what I was going to put into this podcast at around 4 p.m. today on Monday. That was around the middle of when people started to call and make waves around the NFL about signings. So the signing that happened directly after I finished writing the article that I'm about to tell you, immediately after Joe Tooney signed the five-year deal with the Chiefs. So that's just a good timeline on where I am, where like things were in free agency going into this video, just so that if there's anything that overlaps or I got something incorrect, then you know what's happened since. I'll just say all the deals that have happened today that were big i'll run down the list very very quickly uh cory lindsley signs to the chargers john johnson signs to the cleveland browns joe tooney signs to the chiefs jamal agnew to the jaguars jalen mills to the patriots matt judon to the patriots jason verrett back to the 49ers on a one-year deal and Janu smith to the patriots those are the majority of the bigger things that have happened but there's still things happening and as this episode goes on i'm going to be giving you guys frequent updates as things happen i'm going to continue to be refreshing cbs sports live free agency 2021 tracker as well as the espn free agency tracker and i'm going to keep up with what's going on as this episode's going on but i just wanted to sit down and talk to you guys about free agency and what's going on this year so every year that i can remember in the nfl the cap has risen obviously the NFL is one of the biggest money makers. It is America's sport. And due to sales within the league, fantasy football, all different things have obviously contributed to the salary cap going up around 10 to 15 million per year. This year, it has not. Obviously, we all know that this year, COVID 19, uh, the virus, went around the world and created some bad things for the NFL and the salary cap that ultimately had to go down. So on Wednesday, the NFL announced that the cap for the 2021 season would be only $182.5 million per team, and that went down from 198.2, which was a year ago, and that's an 8% drop. And while it might seem on the surface like that's only a six a 16 million drop, people were or the teams were anticipating that the salary cap this year would be 208 mil. So even though it's a loss of genuinely 16 mil, they were also expecting to be able to s- spend an extra 10 million. So they're really losing around 30 million in total, which is equal to two superstars, 
four stars or eight to ten veteran role players. That's not just a small amount of money. This is every single team is now going to go about this offseason in a very different way than they ever have before. Due to all this, like I said in the last episode, it's definitely going to be the most crazy year in the most crazy offseason in NFL history just because of the uncertainty of things and the strangeness of these contracts and things like that. As it stands, 16 teams are over the $183 million cap. Up to now, they had to get that number down, so now everybody's sitting pretty, but it did take many, many cuts to do so. This includes all the cuts that the Saints did to get from the negative negatives, the Chiefs cut both of their tackles, and so on and so forth. Because there are so many teams that are under the cap, though, I think that what's going to happen is that through... The offseason, maybe this will come after the draft than before, but I think that teams are going to look at every single position and say dollar to dollar, the dude that we have now that we're paying, are they doing the same production than a dude that's a free agent who's not being looked at right now, who can give us the same production on $3 million less, and when they have so little room to just be free with their money, and they need every single dollar to be spent correctly, that could lead to other veterans, like in a domino effect, just then you look at who's the current free agent pools, and then you have a veteran 31-year-old D-end who's been on the team for five years, and they're getting paid $8 million when you could probably get a $4 million deal to the dude who's there, and they're about the same cap. Rather than taking the dude who's been on your team for a while, you're going to go for the smaller player. So because of all these different things that are happening from this strange year, I see four trends that I think will ensue once the free agency period starts. I think that first and foremost, teams are going to cut veterans who are on large contracts. That's already started in an insane amount. Like I said, the Chiefs tackles, forgot to say J.J. Watt. Uh, This is going to be more than anybody, any time before. Usually veterans that would have a place on a roster. Now, if they're getting paid $18 with a small cap penalty, they're probably out the building. And that's just how it's going to be. The next trend would probably be that rookies are going to have a lot less time to develop and compete for spots. In a normal year, they might have three to four years to develop and fully grow into their role. But now they're probably going to have less due to the veterans that are on the market. Uh, Next will be that I think that players will take a lot of small one-year deals to either prove it on a team who has nothing at that position so that they can just shine and become a one Or they're going to sign one-year deals on the Buccaneers and the Packers and other teams like that and go to compete for a Super Bowl now. And then lastly is I think that free agency is going to start to a blazing hot start and then simmer down very, very fast. And within two to three days in, we're not going to hear many signings at all. And there's going to be many free agents left around for people to pick up. But that's going to they're only going to go back to being signed after the draft is over. So how I see it playing out is that leading up to free agency, the big, big contracts are going to be shredded, like I said. Next, the dudes that I'm about to name, I think, will immediately be signed to unreal deals as soon as they start. Some of these dudes have already gotten signed, but some of them have not yet. I mean, I'm now recording this episode right as everything's going on, so we are now getting answers to all the things that I proposed But I think that Kenny Galladay, Joe Tooney, Shaq Barrett, Levante David, Bud Dupree, and Corey Lindsley are the surefire, will get an unreal amount of money. 
And then the maybes are Trey Hendrickson, Hassan Reddick, Matt Judon, Carl Lawson, Curtis Samuel, Yannick Ngakwe, Janu Smith, Hunter Henry, and Mitchell Schwartz. Now, out of these dudes, Joe Tooney was just recently signed to the Chiefs on an unreal deal, $18 million a year. Shaq Barrett re-signed on an 18 mil per year back to the Buccaneers. Corey Lindsley signed to the Chargers. Matt Judon signed to the Patriots. And Janu Smith also signed to the Patriots. But the rest of the guys on this list are yet to be signed. I do see all these guys getting signed within by today, tomorrow, or the next day. But then the rest of the, cr- the crop of guys who are these mid-level veteran eh players... I think it's going to take some time. Obviously, we've seen now like Roy Robertson-Harris and Gerard Davis and other players like that that are already getting deals as soon as free agency is opening. That's coming, but I mean just the general consensus of people. I think it's going to take some time, and that's how it is. The very greedy teams will see that they have an abundance of cap, will see a flashy young player and give them way, way, way too much, but... Like, uh, that that happens every single year, but I think that the smart thing that teams should do, and this is at least what teams should be doing, is taking time on their free agents. I think that the biggest reason for this is that, like I said before, they have to compare what they currently have to people that are available on the market. Now, when I say market, I don't mean just free agency. I know this is the free agency episode, but when teams are comparing who they currently have on the roster to who they could get, that who they can get is everybody throughout the entire offseason. That includes the draft, that includes trades, and obviously that includes free agency. This means that any given pool of players for a position that you need, say that you are the Cardinals and you really need a cornerback, or say that you are the Jets or Lions or Texans and you need anything. No, I'm kidding. But say that you are a team that has a specific position that they're really targeting. You not only need to look at who's available in free agency that you could bring in to fill that void, you also need to look at the draft and what players there could end up falling into your lap and then you'd stay off on paying the big time free agent and giving them a long-term deal that they end up regretting when instead you could just do the draft see who you get, see what positions you fill, and then go for the veterans after. Uh, The example of this would be when I look at the top wide receivers in free agency, I go in order, I'd go Kenny Galladay, Curtis Samuel, Will Fuller, Corey Davis, Juju, Marvin Jones, T.Y. Hilton, John Brown, Nelson Aguilar, Sammy Watkins. Those are my top 10 receivers for free agency in order. But then when you take into account everybody for who you could leave the offseason with i'm not going to include odell backup i'm not going to include anybody in trade rumors but if you include the draft choices who some teams have a high enough pick that one of these dudes is going to be theirs i'd go the top wide receiver targets go number one jamar chase number two jalen waddle three devonta smith then kenny galladay at four then Kadarius tony rashad bateman rondale moore Curtis Samuel, Elijah Moore, and Will Fuller. In that order is who I would take on my team. I think that if it really came down to it, Curtis Samuel, though we've seen him in the league, I'd rather go rookie contract to Rashad Bateman in the late first or early second. If it's Will Fuller, who though he's been good, it's injuries and PEDs versus Elijah Moore, who's a late second round sleeper. Second rounds, not that they come easily, but teams got him and 
I think receiver is going to be rich. And this is the same with really every single position when you need to make the pool everyone that's available, not just free agents. Because if you make it just free agents, you're going to end up looking at it and say, oh, this eighth guy is the eighth best player that we can get. But when you compare it to a pool of 30, 20 to 23-year-old guys that throw in there, you're actually getting the 25th most talented player and you're paying him five mil a year rather than taking a rookie contract where you can get a player in the third round. Only three of the 10 people that are on my total wide receiver list are free agents. The other seven are rookies. In a normal year, you could also sign a veteran now, maybe cut them. You have the flexibility to just do whatever you want. You do the draft. You also draft somebody at the position, and then you end up cutting the vet. But I think that because money's so tight this year, and teams are not going to be so eager to spend all of their money in a year where they don't even know what the money's going to be looking like next year. I mean, I know that they all do predict that it'll go back up, but in a year with so much uncertainty, I really see players like Sammy Watkins, like Nelson Aguilar, like Willie Sneed, Zach Pascal, just being left on the open market for a little bit. Nobody really touches them because they're like, let's see if we can get a third or fourth round steal in the draft. And then when they don't get them, those players will get signed or not. Now, I think that so free agency goes full circle, the draft happens, in this whole hypothetical, everything happens, and then we're left with a group of mid-tier guys. Almost all of them, I assume, would be over 28. If they're younger than 28, then a team will probably see that they have some talent left in them. But they're going to be veterans who are going to be put up against like a, a roster spot where you have a quote-unquote hole, but it's actually somebody that you spent a fifth-round pick on last year, and they were a developmental pick. I think that in a normal year, that fifth-round developmental player might get another year to rise, might get another year to look good, but they're not going to get that anymore because there's so many more good veterans that are available that the player that's young that should have another one or two years of development will actually just be thrown to the second string, won't be looked at, and that's how it'll go. I think that the players in this tier of veterans who are too old but are old like are talented enough to steal somebody's job but not enough to track early early free agency buzz i think that could include emmanuel sanders jarrell casey kawan short aj boye casey hayward and other players like that players that you don't see them with an immediate role on the team and they're also old past their prime and they'd only be there just to be the finishing touch on a winning team i just see them either signing and taking a young player's spot or i see them just sitting there and waiting from a little for a little bit from that the the players who are going to be there they're going to take the spots of players who could have broken out like uh, i'm going to name some players that are young and i think could have some potential to do some damage this year but based on where the team is with cap and based on who's available at that position they're going to take the direct comparison the, the players that i have are dj dallas marquez valdez scantling chase edmonds denzel mims jalen rager jeff okuda and drew Locke. these are all players that are very young but i could see the seahawks seeing that they have Russell Wilson, even though DJ Dallas does have potential to, I think, be a starting player in this league, they'll see Kenyon Drake and James Conner and uh, Leonard Fournette chilling on free agency, and then they say, you know what, we have a quarterback that's going to win now, rather than giving DJ Dallas this chance, 
let's sign the this running back, and then Dallas gets thrown to the end of the bench. Same with Edmonds. I think Edmonds could be a full-time running back, but he'll probably split carries because of the free agency. Denzel Mims, I think, is good enough to be a one. We do need to see a little bit more out of him. Same with Jalen Rager, but it might be a situation where both the Jets and the Eagles end up taking multiple veteran wide receivers, making that a more quote-unquote established group and giving so many less touches to Denzel Mims and Jalen Rager. Uh, Jeff Okuda, the same. He did not produce like the third overall pick. And Drew Locke, we're now seeing with Kyler Murray being taken one year after Josh Rosen. I feel like quarterbacks have really no time to develop at all. Drew Locke had one eh season. He wasn't horrific, but... He definitely wasn't good, and he's already being named as somebody on the trade block. I could very well see them getting Trubisky or Fitzpatrick or Alex Smith or Andy Dalton or somebody like that who competes and ends up even beating out Drew Locke. In a normal year, Drew Locke should definitely get that starting spot, but it might not happen. So I think that that is the trickle-down effect and the domino effect that is going to come out of this free agency. It's going to be a very weird time for sure. Just an update with what is currently going on in the NFL. The Corey Lind, the details for the Corey Lindsley contract have came out. Five years, 62.5 mil. That is around 12 mil a year for probably the best center in the NFL. I think that that is a fantastic move for the Chargers. Chargers really need to shore up their O-line, and with Justin Herbert there just hitting his prime, we're seeing that you got to take advantage of the quarterback on a rookie deal. I think that that is a fantastic move for them. Obviously very disappointing for myself being that we the Jets missed out on Joe Tooney and Corey Lindsley, but so be it. It is still a very good contract. And the Texans signed Malik Collins to a one-year deal. It really seems like the Texans are doing mighty, mighty patchwork and just getting random veterans to just be on the team. They are really embracing this two to three win thing. I think that if they thought, if they knew that they were chilling on Watson, they'd be now getting weapons and trying to go crazy with Watson. But these short one-year deals just to like see what they can get out of these players is even more guaranteeing in my mind that they're ready to move off him and the Texans are ready to start losing. Now, I also wanted to just give my reaction to the Aaron Jones contract. This is going to be based on what I was saying earlier. I said that there are some greedy teams who are going to be there, and they know that football is a business. And when you have a player with a bigger, big-ish name, and you have, and they've been on the team for a while, you got to dish out the big numbers, and it ends up biting you in the butt later. Aaron Jones is the perfect example of this. You guys heard me talk about the whole conundrum of paying a running back and how I personally do not think that it's the smartest thing and teams have learned it and clearly after this contract, they have not. It is a horrific contract in my opinion. Four years, 48 million. I haven't looked into the details on how much is on each year and how much is on each side, but it, it really looks bad to me that they did this move. I thought teams learned, clearly not. The pros would obviously be, you won with him, the Packers offense is fantastic, he's now become a Packers staple player, and people know him as a Packer, Rodgers definitely wanted him back, but overall, that really doesn't matter. What it boils down to is that the team brought back a replaceable player, however good he is, he is clearly replaceable, to a team who drafted a running back in the second round last year, who put up comparable numbers to Aaron Jones in the playoffs for the Packers. 
I'm not saying that A.J. Dillon is Derrick Henry and that if Aaron Jones left, he'd all of a sudden be the exact same as Aaron Jones. But say that you even have the 25th best running back in the league in A.J. Dillon. I'd still rather the not having to pay so, so, so much to a position where it seems like if you have the good O-line and you have a working offense, I mean, I I can't think of many places with better positioned to have a running back do well than the Packers, where the secondary is always going to be weary of Rodgers' throwing, so they're never going to be stacking the box. They have a great O-line. Obviously, Lindsley's gone now, but I could still see... I think that any running back back there would automatically be top 20 in the league. So why pay him to be one of these elite top five running backs? We've only seen top five production two years, and I've never seen running backs go for four years in general, let alone four years coming off of their three best years. I I just don't see the four years working whatsoever. And also, on top of it, they had the option to franchise tag him at around $10 per year. And instead of giving him the one-year $10 let's run it back while we have Aaron Rodgers, they're giving him four years. And based on their other draft pick, Jordan Love, it seems like Aaron Rodgers shouldn't even be here for longer than just one to two years. So I don't know why they didn't use that franchise tag, pay him the big money now, stay for a little bit, And then when Jordan Love comes in, start up a new regime. But instead, by the time that Jordan Love comes in, positions that are going to need to be filled, like other corner on the other side of Jair Alexander, other edge rusher that's not named Zadarius Smith, another tackle that's not named Kenny Clark, uh, the biggest one, another free agent, I mean, another wide receiver that's not named Devontae Adams, another center that's not named Corey Lindsley. It's, they have so many holes, and instead they're taking, at a, they're paying a position that's not good while they have a backup. It, I, even if their backfield without Aaron Jones consisted of undrafted rookies, I'd still rather go into next year with undrafted rookies than paying your running back a replaceable position such a hefty, hefty deal. The payout doesn't seem good when you look at everything that's happened in the past with running backs and Le'Veon and DeMarco Murray and all these free agent running backs that just get these horrific, huge deals and it never, never works. Also, it doesn't lead to wins. While the Packers might be getting wins, the wins are coming from Aaron Rodgers, clearly. It's not because they have Aaron Jones getting paid $12 million a year that they're winning and almost going to a Super Bowl. It's Aaron Rodgers is almost going to the Super Bowl, and Aaron Jones is a good compliment. So I think as the compliment, you don't get paid 12 a year. The percentage is too big, and it will ultimately bite them in the ass. What I see happening is that they continue to use both backs— rather than just going a one back one running back backfield because they need to capitalize some way on the agent AJ Dillon pick. Jamal Williams is clearly gone. If he's not gone, then this is already the worst offseason I've ever seen. Jamal Williams is gone. So AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones probably split carries. And as soon as Aaron Jones starts to fall off, they're gonna go, wait, one's twenty one, one's twenty six um, let's go with the younger one. And then Aaron Jones is gone in one to two years. That's really what I see happening. Before we go on to our next segment, I'm going to be updating the website 
and I am going to be looking at all of the newer deals that have just came out. So Patriots are going to be signing Kendrick Bourne. All right deal. I don't hate Kendrick Bourne. I think that he's actually a very talented player, but being that they have nobody else at receiver, and this is their probably quote-unquote big receiver move in free agency, this is now going to be their going into next season with Bourne and Jacoby Myers as their one and two. I don't love that. Uh Chargers re-signed Michael Davis. That's solid. Steelers re-signed Cam Sutton, a dude who is on my underrated. Oh, and they got him for $4.5 million a year. That is signing of the day, in my opinion. I So far, also, I didn't even mention the ones that I'm really loving so far. I think that the all the Jaguars signings have been pretty atrocious so far. Agnew for $9 million and Roy Robertson-Harris for $8 million is not what you should be doing when you have the most money in free agency. You should either be going big money after the big guys or small money after the small guys later, not signing small guys to big contracts now. But this Cam Sutton deal looks amazing. I actually really liked uh, 13 a year for three years to Romeo Aquara for the Lions. I really liked the John Johnson contract. I think he was getting around 11, 12 per year to go to the Bron- to go to the Browns. But with, with the John Johnson thing, actually, in the article that I'm about to read you guys and the thing that I just wrote, I actually got that pick right. I would like to say that I just made this thing where I chose two players, one from offense, one from defense, that each team in the NFL should sign. And I was right on the Browns one, on the Browns defense. I'm going to explain more in depth once I get to each person. But just know some of these have already now been signed to other teams. We'll see as I read on. It's It'll all make sense. So I'm going to go over each team and then give you the two players that I think that they should sign. I have no overlap whatsoever, so hopefully this could be how the entire league falls. I doubt it, but I took into consideration positional needs. I took into consideration connections that they have within the team, how much money they have, and what they're able to spend, and different things like that. So I'm going to start off. I'm going to do a team. I'm going to say the two players, and then I'm going to give you a very quick analysis on why, and then yeah. So, to start it off, Arizona Cardinals, I have them signing Leonard Fournette, running back, and William Jackson, the cornerback. Uh, Arizona is now losing Kenyon Drake, so I think that Fournette would be the rough-and-tumble guy to split carries with Chase Edmonds. I think that William Jackson could sure up a secondary. He's coming from Cincinnati to team up with Byron Murphy. I really like that signing. The Atlanta Falcons would go Chris Carson and Mike Hilton. Very, very similar to the Cardinals. They need a running back and secondary help. Uh, Chris Carson is very similar to Todd Gurley at this point in his career. I think earlier Todd Gurley was very elusive, but now he's became more of a rough-and-tumble trucking gets you the necessary yards but won't break one long for 20, and Chris Carson reminds me a lot of that. So I think he'll do the same sort of thing. Mike Hilton will be there. I think he can do a very good job of teaching A.J. Terrell and shoring up a secondary that really doesn't have an identity. Baltimore Ravens, I have signing Corey Davis from the Titans and Bud Dupree from the Steelers. I think this is the Ravens go crazy type move. Corey Davis would now become the one giving Devin Duvernay some touches, giving Hollywood Brown a couple less touches, and 
making it those three players really run the offense. And then on defense, Bud Dupree would come in trying to fill in for the Matt Judon role. Uh, LJ Fort isn't doing anything. Calais Campbell's obviously getting old. Derek Wolf, Pernell McPhee, they're not players that are here for a while and they're not productive any longer. So Bud Dupree would do an amazing job at filling an edge presence that's definitely needed. Buffalo Bills also go pretty crazy. I think that they they have the money and they can free up the money to get Hunter Henry and Trey Hendrickson. Hunter Henry, tight end, coming from the Chargers. Because they have Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, people like that, I could see Hunter Henry going to Buffalo. They don't need many other... They don't need much other help on their offense. Fantastic quarterback. I think that Singletary and Moss are good enough to go into this year. And Dawson Knox, while he does show some flashes of potential, this is very similar to what I was saying before. Young player won't get a look because some another veteran is going to come in. I think Hunter Henry is definitely more productive and will do good, as well as Trey Hendrickson on the defense. He is a great defender. He got multiple, multiple sacks with the Saints last year. I think a lot of them were due to the pressure that was being sent anyways, but the Bills have a fantastic secondary, and I think that if they can start to create more pressure, I'd really like to see a jump out of A.J. Epinesa, and and the jump out of A.J. Epinesa can both help himself and Trey Hendrickson, as well as Tremaine Edmonds really solidifying that he's a good player, which I think is necessary for them. Carolina Panthers, I have them getting back Trey Turner. He used to be their old guard, and he comes back, as well as Avery Williamson. Williamson would be in that Keekly, be in the middle of the field role. Obviously, he's not as talented, but yeah. And then Trey Turner would just be to shore up the guard spot. They do not have fantastic guards. They definitely need to look to their offensive line, especially if they want a quarterback who's better than Teddy Bridgewater. They got Taylor Moten and kept him, so they need to make the most out of this offensive line while it's here, especially when they have the receiving room and McCaffrey there right now. Chicago Bears, I have them getting Mitchell Schwartz and Keanu Neal. Mitchell Schwartz would be on the other side of Charles Leno. He's going to be their right tackle. Uh, They've been in the talks for Russell Wilson, and I think Mitchell Schwartz to the Bears, if they do get Russell Wilson, would be a match made in heaven. Give Russell Wilson a blindside protector that he's never had before. Allen Robinson's back. Darnell Mooney's looking great. David Montgomery has been broke out at the end of last year and I think that that would be a fantastic thing to shore up uh much needed to be shown uh, O-line and then Keanu Neal on the defense I think that this is just an addition if you need Keanu Neal's I think gonna go for a lot less money than people are expecting so he could play with Tyshawn Gibson at the strong safety spot obviously Eddie Jackson's at the free safety but I don't see them really needing an edge rusher plus all the edge rushers are already going I think Kolo Max stays Akeem Hicks is back Eddie Goldman And I think Keanu Neal would be a great hard-hitting safety to add to this group that would really show intensity, and they they have an identity. Keanu Neal fits it. For the Bengals, Richie Incognito and Yannick Ngakwe are my two picks. Incognito is a veteran guard who's going to shore up that O-line for Burrow. Definitely needed. Ngakwe, they really don't have any edge presence at all. I think that he'll help Sam Hubbard, a player who was a rookie two to three years ago, shown a couple flashes but hasn't lived up to his hype. I think that he could be gone, but if Yannick Ngakwe can create some sacks on the other side, that could definitely help Hubbard break out too. The Browns are actually the single team that I don't have going offense and defense because when I looked at their offense, I don't see a single position where they really need to free, like do something in free agency. Even down to 
backup receiver, backup tight end, backup running back, backup quarterback. I think they're more than fine in all those positions. They are 100% fine on every single position on their offensive line, which is just something that no one... I, I don't remember the last time that I've heard zero problems on offense, but they really do have zero problems on offense. So, or zero problems that can be fixed through free agency. Obviously, Baker Mayfield, you could consider that a problem, but nothing that could be shared up in free agency. So I have them getting Leonard Floyd and John Johnson. John Johnson actually just happened, and that I was correct in. They definitely need safety help, and he is probably the best safety available. They have the money to get him, so they should. Leonard Floyd, I think that, we just saw Leonard Floyd emerge when Aaron Donald was on the field, so Miles Garrett is not a big step down. It is, but nowhere near as much as somebody else. Sheldon Richardson still there uh, causing problems. They definitely do need some help in the linebacking area, but I think Leonard Floyd could do a 10-sack season for sure on the Cleveland Browns. Dallas Cowboys, I have them going Alex Mack and Melvin Ingram. Alex Mack, veteran center to help on their O-line. Their O-line that used to be so stout obviously was not as good this year. So getting a good guy for when Dak comes back to ensure that he doesn't get re-injured, that's definitely necessary. And then Melvin Ingram to solidify an edge that's barely there. Demarcus Lawrence is still good, but the rest of their defense is really like needs help. I could have gone corner here. I could have gone safety. But I think Melvin Ingram is a veteran who's proven he could be a leader in the locker room. Uh, I doubt that they bring Alden Smith back, so I guess he'll play in Alden Smith's spot. And that is it for the Cowboys. For the Broncos, I have David Andrews and Solomon Thomas. Uh, David Andrews, the center to shore up the O-line, coming from New England. Solomon Thomas, I know, has played D-end and D-tackle a little bit. I thought that if they lost Shelby Harris, then he could definitely slide into the D-tackle role and play there, but they just re-signed Shelby Harris. I still see Solomon Thomas being a very good fit there. For the Lions, I have Rashard Higgins and K.J. Wright. They have, honestly, pretty solid edge presence. I do like... Trey Flowers, and I do like Romeo Aquara, but they don't have a coverage linebacker. Gerard Davis just signed with the New York Jets, so I have them getting K.J. Wright, who can make the tackle, who can cover, and then Rashard Higgins, a guy who's not as good, but I think that rather than getting the big name and having Jared Goff to throw to him, I think you take a guy that it right now looks like a two or a three and turn him into a one, see what you get, and then maybe at the end of this year you either trade him or he genuinely looks like a one and then you have a new guy to run with. Not to mention, I assume that they'll be going receiver at some point in the draft. So Higgins is just a filler too. Green Bay Packers, I have them going Will Fuller and Matt Judon. That's also bit huge, huge money. But Will Fuller, the deep threat, I think that that would be incredible to pair him alongside Aaron Rodgers. Put him on the other side of Devontae Adams. He'd be a deep threat for the ages. Alan Lazard's leaving. The players that they currently have at receiver are just not getting it done. And that is not a Super Bowl receiving core. I think they have one Super Bowl receiver and... The rest are not. So I think that Will Fuller would be fantastic there. And then for Matt Judon, Matt Judon would fill in for the Preston Smith role. Preston Smith actually staying, but I think that Preston Smith has shown extreme regression and Judon could end up starting in front of him. Dean Lowry isn't fantastic, so if he wants to slide up to the DN spot, I think that that could work too. The Houston Texans, I have them getting Jacoby Brissett and Hassan Reddick. 
Reddick is still fairly young. They have the money to shell out, and hopefully he becomes an elite pass rusher similar to Shaq Barrett. Very fast, still young enough. And then Jacoby Brissett, well, like, like for both of these picks, I could have really done somebody at any position. But if they're genuinely going to be trading Deshaun Watson, Jacoby Brissett is fine enough as a one-year bridge. And if you are the Texans and you're really sure that Deshaun Watson's staying, which he probably won't, you still have a disgruntled quarterback. So having a backup who is above average is definitely necessary. So I could see them going out and gutting Jacoby Brissett just to equip themselves for whatever comes with the Deshaun Watson situation. For the Colts, I have them getting Trent Williams, the tackle from the 49ers, and Carlos Dunlap from the Seahawks. Uh, Dunlap would be there to fill in the veteran Justin Houston edge rusher role, and then Trent Williams would be to sure up, making them probably the best O-line in the NFL. I would have, I would love to see that happen. I do think that there's a good chance that he goes back to the 49ers, and it sounded like he w- that he wanted to when he was on the PFF podcast. But him going to the Colts, who are already making a good case to be Super Bowl contenders, adding Trent Williams, adding one of the best left tackles in the NFL, who's still very, very talented and worth every dollar. I think you go crazy and pay him the 18, 19 mil per year that he wants. Then the Jacksonville Jaguars, I had them getting Corey Lindsley and Jadavian Clowney. Lindsley now on the Chargers, so this makes this makes this null and void. But I thought that they could shore up their O-line and get a veteran who's been there doing it for a while. And then Clowney on the defense. They haven't they don't have an edge presence minus Josh Allen. Kalevon Chason was very disappointing in his rookie year, and I think that Clowney could help Chason get more sacks. Clowney's good at causing the pressure. And though he might not be a sack god, he definitely can get in the quarterback's face. So that could lead to better progression for both of them. For the Chiefs, I have them going out and getting Marvin Jones and Olivier Vernon. Vernon to sure up an edge presence that really isn't there. They restructured D Ford's deal, so they're going to keep him. But they need more edge presence, especially when you realize in the Super Bowl that that is definitely necessary, and Tom Brady was sitting pretty in that backfield. Somebody that can go and get that pressure is definitely necessary. Marvin Jones would be there to fill in the Sammy Watkins role. We've seen Marvin Jones have highlight play after highlight play after highlight play. With the Chiefs, I just see that being freaking unreal and could be a match made in heaven. For the Chargers, I had them getting Alejandro Villanueva and Kyle Van Noy. They really don't have a fantastic coverage linebacker. I like Kenneth Murray, and Kenneth Murray definitely will progress this year. But Van Noy is a veteran who can help teach him and give you a linebacker who can do pretty well in coverage. Villanueva would be to shore up the line. They just signed Lindsley, so similar. But I, I do think that they still are in need of a good left tackle. So Villanueva is definitely still on their radar. But they went and got Lindsley, so that might be their big O-line signing. For the Rams, I have them getting Brashad Perriman and Patrick Onwusor. Uh, b- both Jets. Perriman, I think, knows to take knows how to take the top off a of defense. With Josh Reynolds leaving in free agency, they have Cup, Woods, and then a third player. You know Stafford likes to sling it. I bet you McVay likes to call up some deep balls. So if he could, he could be a great third receiver for that team. And then Patrick Onwusor, I just... There's not many huge holes on defense. Interior linebacker definitely stands out, and there's no other interior linebacker that I really saw on this list fit. For the Vegas Raiders, I've got Juju Smith-Schuster and Shaq Griffin. 
Shaq Griffin coming when they really do not have any cornerback whatsoever. I think Trayvon Mullen's their number one, which is pretty disgusting. They wasted a first-round pick on Damon Arnett last year. I don't think that he's obsolete, but I do not think that he's good enough. So I think Shaq Griffin can fill in at a place where he could be CB1 and be really good. Uh, Juju, I see him becoming the number one in Vegas, or maybe becoming the one and two with Henry Ruggs. I I think, honestly, what could end up happening is that Juju, quote-unquote, signs as the one, but but Ruggs ends up breaking out because people double-guard Juju, leaving leaving the switch to happen anyways on its own, where Ruggs ends up getting more targets than Juju, and Juju really is the second target the entire time i could definitely see that happening also with nelson aguilar they really do have a huge hole at wide receiver and because they're sticking with Derek carr i think you get him the weapons that he needs now the miami dolphins i have them going russell okung or dalvin tomlinson uh they have a fantastic defense their biggest spot is another d tackle alongside christian wilkinson and dalvin tomlinson from the giants is a fantastic nose tackle i think you could get that done and Russell Okung is just to shore up their O-line. Right now they have Austin Jackson and Hunt. I forget Hunt's first name. But those are two guys who were rookies last year. You get Okung to not only teach them and develop them, but he'll start for this year and maybe a year after just to be a more solidified spot. And then Austin Jackson could get the start next year. For the Vikings, and them getting Nick Easton from the Saints and Tack McKinley at the end. They are not fantastic at edge rusher anymore, so they really need to sure that up. Obviously, Daniil Hunter's there, but more guys there. Tack McKinley is still fairly young. Maybe they can sign him for a while on a very small deal for multiple years and see if they can maybe get something out of him if they can. Nick Easton is more just a shoring up of the O-line when there's not many guards left, but they do need line help. Ezra Cleveland would be on the other side, and then Nick Easton would fill in at the left guard spot. I think that that makes sense. For the Patriots, I have them getting Curtis Samuel and Shelby Harris. Now that they just signed Kendrick Bourne, I don't see this happening. But Curtis Samuel is a Swiss Army knife, like I said in last episode. He could play running back. He could play receiver. And when you have a team with such little talent on the outside, uh, he would be this... Oh my god, Curtis Samuel with Bill Belichick is a dream for him a receiver who can block and do screens and sweeps and things like that would just be different and then shelby harris who's now resigned the broncos but i had him showing up their d-line when they do not have anybody fantastic on their d-line they also got matt judon but right now it's just matt judon and chase winovich rushing on the edge donta hightower is still there and i think that they are making a case to have a pretty solid defense nothing top five but definitely doing the right moves to sure up a unit that needs it for the saints i have them getting sammy watkins and jordan jenkins jordan jenkins being an edge that they can get for very cheap they don't have the money to go crazy and get somebody unreal but jordan jenkins can at least continue to develop with sean payton uh back with demario davis sammy watkins would be filling in for Really, anybody. I mean, I don't think Traquan Smith is a one or a two. Emmanuel Sanders now gone. Ted Ginn is nobody. And Michael Thomas, for as much as he's still a elite one, he didn't have a fantastic season last year. He was riddled with injury. So you bring in another veteran who was a former number four pick in the draft. 
in Sammy Watkins. I would really like that short time and he'd be going for a W of some sort. Like I, I know that the Saints aren't in the Super Bowl conversation, but I like Watkins to the Saints. For the Giants, I have them getting Kenny Galladay and Jayon Brown, two big names. Galladay would then sure up the O-line and do exactly what I feel like other teams have done for their young quarterbacks if they're smart, which is when they're on their rookie deal, you surround them with so much talent outside that even if they are eh, the players outside make them amazing. And having a receiving room of Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, and Kenny Galladay with Evan Ingram just sounds dangerous. I would not want to play that offense. I mean, I know that it's Daniel Jones behind center, and I honestly don't have much belief in him as a person, but with... Kenny Galladay there, that could really do some damage. And then Jayon Brown, an already great defense. They don't have much middle linebacker presence. They currently have Tay Crowder and Blake Martinez there, who are both below average, both not starting quality. So I think Jayon Brown coming in would definitely fill in a needed void at middle linebacker. For the Jets, I had them getting Joe Tooney and Carl Lawson. It's very sad now that both of the two best O-linemen are now gone because I really thought that that's the way that the Jets would go in free agency is get one of these two really big name O-linemen and sure up the O-line. But I still think that they do need to address both guard spots and the center spot. And then Carl Lawson would be on the defense to fill in an edge void where the Jets have not had an edge presence in years that I can remember. So Carl Lawson coming from Cincinnati would do just that. I really like him. For the Eagles, I have them getting Zach Pascal and Devondre Campbell, both players that are not big names, both players that are somewhat young, that can hopefully progress a little bit. Pascal would then be there to be set up with Rager and probably another receiver that they'd bring in in the draft. Hopefully at six, they could get maybe a Jalen Waddell, Devonta Smith. I don't think Jamar Chase will be there, but if they can get one of those two guys and then do Pascal, Rager, and the third as their receiving room. I think that that's definitely good for Jalen Hurts. Uh, And then Devondre Campbell, outside linebacker from Atlanta, still somewhat young, was unproductive the last two years, but the Eagles look to turn his career around and still get something out of him. The Steelers, I have them selecting, or not selecting, but signing Kenyon Drake and Indomitian Sue. Drake filling in at a running back spot where they have Zip, Uh, I don't like Benny Snell. I don't like anybody else that they have in that backfield. And James Conner's gone. I didn't like James Conner that much anyways. And they need to establish some sort of a run game. I would love it if they go and get Kenyon Drake and then draft somebody and then do the two-headed backfield of Drake and somebody else. And then on the defense, Sue would be there to be next to Tyson Lualu at D-tackle. Sure up uh, already unreal D-line. I really do think that Alex Highsmith can fill in for the Bud Dupree role. That's why I didn't give them a edge rusher. But Adamican Sue is has been to the big game, was on the Buccaneers last year. Uh, he would be doing this as like a last ditch, let's go make a Super Bowl. I don't think that the Steelers are a Super Bowl ready team, but I think that people could argue that and somebody like Indomitian Sue on the line could definitely give them a much better shot. 
I got the San Francisco 49ers filling in the void of Trent Williams if he were to leave in Eric Fisher. I think that you can never have enough tackles. Former number one pick from the Chiefs who got cut. And then on defense, I also got Patrick Peterson. He would be filling in for the Richard Sherman role. I know that they wanted to get rid of Sherman. He's washed up, veteran, old. And it seems like Pat Pete might fit that bill a lot better. But I think that Pat Pete could come on a much, much, much cheaper contract where you could play... uh, Akello Witherspoon, uh, Jason Verrett re-signed in a one-year deal, and then Kwan Williams, I think, are their three corners now. Pat Pete doesn't even need to start over one of those guys, but just a good guy to show up for depth on a really, really great defense, I think would definitely be a great signing. Seahawks go out and get Matt Filer, or Feeler, the right tackle, uh, sure up their O-line and give... Russell, last ditch, hey, we tried to get you somebody that can protect you, but ultimately that won't work, and I do think that Wilson will leave, but whatever. And then on defense, I've got Ronald Darby coming from Washington football team. If they leave, if they lose Shaq Griffin in free agency, then they're definitely going to be short at corner. I could have also given them an edge rusher, especially losing Dunlap, losing Jadavian Clowney, losing all these guys. But corner is going to be such a problem, too. They've got Quandre Diggs there, and I don't even know who else. It's not looking too pretty. So I think Ronald Darby could be just a patch to to help that. Then with the Buccaneers, I've got James White and Kenny Vaccaro. White reuniting with Tom Brady. He's been in the big game before. They'd be losing Fournette. And they definitely don't want to go with Ronald Jones for as talented as he was. I don't think that he's an every down back. They don't really have a pass catcher out of the backfield. So James White would do just that. Kenny Vaccaro, I have him filling up the safety spot. Not that they even need that. I think it would be him and Jordan Whitehead would get some snaps each. Whitehead looked fantastic. Their whole secondary look amazing. But it's young, and Vaccaro is a veteran who's been there, done that. He was on the Saints, on the Titans, on... I can't think of any others off the top of my head, but he's definitely going to be a great mentor and a good guy. I think that the Buccaneers will definitely have a lot of suitors just because of what happened last year and who Tom Brady is, but Vicar is somebody that I see going. The Titans, I see getting John Brown and Eric Wilson. Eric Wilson's this like coverage can make the tackle-ish, not really coverage, can make the tackle linebacker who they are going to be losing, J.M. Brown. They're going to be losing a lot, a lot of people. Uh, Corey Davis, Jonu Smith, uh, Jadavian Clowney, the list goes on. But I think Eric Wilson does a good job shoring up the linebacking core. And then John Brown fills in for the Adam Humphreys and Corey Davis role. Older, but bring him there for one to two years. I think A.J. Brown could turn into like a 13 to 15 reception per game, all pro type guy now that their other players are gone. But I think a lot's going to be on Ryan Tannehill's plate this year with whoever they have at that receiving room. And then last but not least, I've got the Washington football team getting Riley Reef and Anthony Harris. Reef to fill in at a tackle spot where they really do need tackles badly. And Anthony Harris, a ball hawking safety. I know that I really do like their safeties, but it's very similar to what I said before. When you look at who's in the cream of the crop, what positions they need, Carmen Curl might end up not breaking out into the pro bowler that I had hoped that he was, and he might get put to the end. Or Jeremy Reeves, I don't know 
who would be getting the start anyways. But Anthony Harris to the football team seems like a possibility too. All right, and since I just finished that list, there has still been no insanely big free agent signings. Austin Johnson re-signs to the Giants, but that is nothing special. So I think that is going to be it. Again, there is still a day left to enter the free agency frenzy challenge. I'm going to be updating you guys with who's in the lead as every episode goes on and as the free agents sign to their teams that are necessary. I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode and you guys love free agency. This is one of my favorite times in the off season, one of my favorite times in the football season in general. So I'm so glad that stuff's going well. And yeah, I mean, for right now, I am still a bit upset that Lindsley and Joe Tooney did not sign with the Jets. A couple more words, I think. The Patriots are dishing out a lot of money quick. I don't know how much I like it. Jalen Mills got, I think, around six per year for four years, which is unreal because I know him as getting burnt on the Eagles. So I don't know what the Patriots see in him that's so fantastic, especially when they already have a great secondary. But they're they're doing moves. Jonu, 13 a year. I don't think that he lives up to that, but he's still young, still has a lot of potential. Judon got, I think, around 14, 15 a year, which is still a lot, but he is definitely a great edge rusher where they do need edge presence. So I don't hate that one as much. That's definitely my favorite signing on the team. But stuff's going well. I'm so happy that free agency is happening. And I hope that you guys are too. Make sure to tune into next episode where I'm going to be grading some of the and talking some more about all the other free agency picks. The draft is already coming up. So things are looking up. Uh, Thank you guys so much for watching. Have an amazing day.